Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Booker misses one and done for the Suns. And for the second straight year, Phoenix is getting routed at home in an elimination game. Get the five-star camps going again, UB, and teach that. Look at this. Durant, one for 10 from the floor. Booker's four for 11. Phoenix is down 24. They miss both guys terribly in this first half. Yes, they do. Denver puts up 81 points. They have their largest halftime lead in franchise playoff history. Suns fans are booing as their team trails by 30 at halftime. Best scoring output in this series thus far for Wiggins. 13-point deficit for the Lakers. Russell, what a move! Oh, D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Davis obviously got hit. It was wobbly. Reeves running into the wall. Warriors by 11. Here's Green. Curry spots up in the corner. Got it! One spot, two spot, wherever you need him to be. To the end zone. A.J. Green makes the catch. Spectacular for a Cardinals touchdown over David Long in the corner of the end zone. There are a lot of young players out there that are doing a good job. Bring Curtis Samuel in the backfield now. Going to run a little option. How? Foot in the ground. Nice cut. How is in. Touchdown, Washington. Six consecutive balls for the left-hander Tommy Henry. Casey Schmidt. Way out of here. He was called up for his Major League debut Tuesday in San Francisco and homered in his second career at bat. And there's home run number two. And Mahomes steps up, throws to the back, touchdown! Marquez Valdez, Scantling! Just beyond the 10-yard line now, it's second and goal. Goff for the end zone, catch made, that's a touchdown! Abed Ross, St. Brown! Tatum slips out, fires the three, made two in a row, make it three. Jason Tatum, not always there when you call, but always on time. Stepping out of bounds. So the Knicks have not made a shot here in the fourth. Miami is one out of nine. Butler gets inside for the deuce. He was looking at trying to get in position in case the shot came out. Foul on Duncan Robinson. As a swing and a high fly ball, deep to right center field. Way back, get out the tape measure, long gone. Josh Lowe have a night. A homer, a three-run double, five RBIs, it is seven-nothing raise. Dodgers five to one. Two out, run in top of the fourth. Thousand delivers, and this one is popped in the air to the right side. Second baseman Michael Bush is underneath it, makes the catch. And that'll end the inning. He kind of jokes about that outing, you know, as if to say, I didn't really have much to do with it, but hey, he got a win and a ring. 
Here's the 2-2. Muncie takes at the knees. Strike three call. Came right back with the breaking ball. And four strikeouts now for Joe. One away in the top of the fourth. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. And welcome to the Friday, May 12th edition. It's my, my mom was born on this day in 1925. Uh, rest in peace. Happy birthday, Mom. So this is the May 12th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, the Suns, should they break up the core? Lakers, Warriors, who you got tonight, ATS. The Cardinals, are you ready for the Colt McCoy versus Sam Howell showdown in week one? Uh, The Diamondbacks, what's the biggest reason for the dismal homestand? The 2023 NFL schedule, what stood out to you? Sixers and Celtics, uh, who you got in game seven? Heat and Knicks, who you got tonight? ATS. And also, around Major League Baseball, how about those Rays? Are they that much better than the Yankees? And what are you looking for this weekend? Dodgers against the Padres this weekend at Dodger Stadium. Plus, what else caught your eye since our last show? A lot, probably. Here's your, uh, today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. And moments with the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, we will have a San Francisco Giants update. They win last night over the Diamondbacks, the first of a four-game series at Chase Field. Uh, Brady Klopfer will join us from McCovey Chronicles. Bottom of the hour, 9.30 or so, to be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include Suns, Nuggets, Game 6 analysis. Not a lot of analysis required, but we'll have some. Uh, and also a Giants uh, Diamondbacks Thursday night rewind time pending. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the latest line and from the scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a Suns discussion with Doug Haller of The Athletic. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should the Suns break up the core following a second consecutive humiliating season-ending loss? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Yes, out in front, 100% of the vote. (laughs) Wow. Okay. One rumor making the rounds is that new owner Matt Ishbia will hire Isaiah Thomas in some prominent role. Uh, that's uh, something that has escalated here, and I think that would be also be a, a colossal mistake considering Thomas's post-playing basketball career has not gone particularly well. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, uh, who you got tonight in Los Angeles? The Lakers minus 2.5 or the Warriors plus 2.5? And, and Kayla, what's going on here? Warriors plus two and a half, one hundred percent of the vote. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM ten sixty. Well, I'm not sure if the people voting know the injury situation. The Lakers said on Thursday that they expect Antonio Davis to play tonight. 
but the Warriors could be without Andrew Wiggins, who is also injured on Wednesday night. Meanwhile, back on the local front, the Cardinals, as we predicted, are scheduled to play zero primetime games, and the Cardinals, according to the odds makers, are not favored to win any of their 17 games in 2023. What stands out to you regarding the 2023 Cardinals schedule? There was no joy in Mudville last night. I kind of stole that phrase from somewhere along the, long, along the way here. But uh, in addition to the Suns' humiliation, the Diamondbacks dropped to 3-4 and four in their 10-game homestand, losing 6-2 to two to the previously struggling Giants. So what's the biggest reason the Diamondbacks are an unacceptable 3-4 and four of their current homestand against the Nationals, Marlins, and Giants? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, back to the NBA playoffs. Jason Tatum started poorly again, but he scored 16 points in the final quarter, including four three-point field goals to ignite a 14-1 fourth-quarter run as the Celtics stayed alive with a 95-86 victory in Philadelphia. Who you got in Game 7? Sunday at Boston, the Celtics are laying 7.5 in that game, by the way. Meanwhile, tonight the Heat look to close out their series at home against the Knicks. Who you got tonight? ATS in Miami. The Knicks minus five and a half. Excuse me, the uh, Heat minus five and a half for the Knicks plus five and a half. Back to the NFL schedule we go. The defending champion Chiefs will begin the season against the Lions, while the Thanksgiving Day triple header is Green Bay at Detroit, Washington at Dallas, and San Francisco at Seattle. What stood out to you during the NFL schedule reveal on Thursday? <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Rays beat the Yankees again. Tampa moved to 3-1 and one over the last eight days against the Yankees with Thursday night's 8-2 victory at Yankee Stadium. Also this weekend is Padres and Dodgers for a second consecutive weekend. Are the Rays that much better than the Yankees? And what are you expecting this weekend with the Dodgers at uh, hosting the Padres that gave those games in Dodger Stadium this weekend? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 602- 260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by a San Francisco Giants discussion with Brady Kopfler of the McCovey Chronicles. Then once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion at 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup topped by the Suns being humiliated, embarrassed, destroyed in a closeout game for a second consecutive year in the postseason. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD 2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number 2. 
Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. We'll get back to the uh, Suns uh, eulogy uh, in the next segment. Um, the embarrassing end to a season for a second consecutive year for Phoenix. As far as the Suns are concerned, also last night was a bad night for the Diamondbacks. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for the latest on the San Francisco Giants, we're now joined the sports by Brady Koppler of McCovey Chronicles. And Brady, good to have you. The Giants 17-20 and 20 on the season after last night's 6-2 victory over the Diamondbacks. How would you describe the Giants' season to date? To be honest, I think fans are pretty disappointed. Um, but it's still very early, and I think if you can if you can remove some of some of the concerns are are not things that necessarily need to be concerned about. I think there are a lot of things, a lot of reasons to expect them to kind of right the ship here. Um, but they've got out of the gate slow, and and frankly. All of their off-season signings have, have been disasters to this point. Mitch Haniger and Michael Conforto were the players they pivoted to when they didn't get Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa, and neither of them were hitting. Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling were the pitchers they signed to replace Carlos Rodon, and they've been two of the very worst starting pitchers in baseball. So it's been that season where they're trying to tread water despite the fact that the, the reinforcements they brought in aren't doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. They're actively hurting the team. Uh, so I think the optimistic view is that if those players start playing the way we've come to expect them, I think this could be a pretty darn good team. Uh, but at some point it needs to happen, and, and it hasn't happened at this point. Okay, let's break down some of these things that you just got into. Let, let's start with the offense. They've been really home-run reliant. They've struck out a lot. They haven't been good against left-handed starting pitchers. How much uh, can those things change in the rest of the season? Yeah, I think they can change a bit, but – but they're not going to change too much. You know, that that's the organizational philosophy for the Giants. And, and if you look at the box scores for their minor league affiliates all the way down to low A, that's the organizational philosophy is don't swing at pitches unless you can put them over the fence. And when you get those pitches, try to put them over the fence. Uh, this is an organization that at every level strikes out a lot and hits home runs a lot. And I think you see with a lot of the best teams in baseball, do that to an extent. You know, the Dodgers and the Rays, I believe, are the only two teams that hit more home runs than the Giants. Uh, but the Giants are just striking out at a rate that you can't win if, if you're striking out at that level. It doesn't matter how many home runs you hit because they don't have any sustainable rallies. You know, their leadoff hitter, Coach Knights, is Lamont Wade Jr., who has, I think, the second best on base percentage in the league, and he's barely scored any runs. Um, so it's, it's not a particularly sustainable philosophy if you don't fix the strikeouts. But they have had luck with a lot of batters over the last few years at cutting down on strikeouts. Um, so I think they're optimistic that they can. But, you know, we are a third of the way into the season or so, or a quarter of the way in the season, and we still haven't seen those strikeout numbers come down. So I think they can come down a little bit. I think it's safe to say that if they keep this race, they won't have a winning record. Uh, they're going to need to see a little improvement. But they've shown that ability to make those improvements in season with swing adjustments. Okay, staying with the offense, you mentioned a couple of obviously you know, the Conforto and Hanniger had that haven't worked out so far. You mentioned also Wade. So, you know, other than Wade, who's who has stepped up as far as the offensive, uh, you know, for as far as the offense goes, that's impressed you. And uh, you know, other than Conforto and and and, uh, and also Hanniger, who also needs to, who also needs to step up? Yeah, I'd say the big ones after Wade are. 
Tyro Estrada has been having a, a wonderful season. Uh, there were some questions coming in as to whether he could hit as well as he did last year and if he could hit right-handers um, and avoid being that platoon player. And so far, he's done that. He's been a really fantastic hitter in, in really every phase of hitting, uh, and he's done it against both righties and lefties, so he's, he's really become that kind of anchor of the team. And J.D. Davis is the other one. Um, you know, he's been a... He's been a really good hitter for a long time and just has never had the glove to be able to stay on the field and be playable. And thankfully, he's fixed that issue this year. So those three have been have been really strong. Um, but they do need more people to step up. And in addition to Hanniger and Conforto, you know, Brandon Crawford, he's probably going to come off the injury list at some point during this series. He's had a very poor season. Um, they haven't had too much offensive contributions behind the plate. Joey Bart has been kind of scuffling a little bit, and he's, he's still a pretty good player because he plays such good defense, but, you know, he's hitting well below league average, and, and they really haven't had any stability in center field, largely because of injuries. Austin Slater's been injured most of the year. Mike Jastrzemski's on the injured list, and is probably going to be there for a little while, and they've been forced to give a lot of center field starts to, we saw last night, Bryce Johnson, who is, you know, a, a 28 or 29-year-old minor league journeyman who's never been a good offensive player. They've given a lot of starts to Brett Wisely, who made his major league debut at the start of the season. Um, just a lot of unproven guys, and some of those guys need to step up. You see that with all the good teams. Um, you see that with the Diamondbacks this year, right, where, where there are players who maybe you didn't expect to step up, stepping up, and, and the Giants need some of that in addition to, to some improvement from their veterans. Casey Schmidt, we knew he was good with the glove, but you know, two homers in his debut week, including a long home run last night. Is he on the Major League roster for good at this point? You know, I don't think we can say that for sure. I would expect him to be, um, and I think he'll get a long leash. But the Giants have been pretty liberal with sending players back down to the minors if they think there are adjustments that they need to make. But they've also been liberal with not benching struggling players if they think that their process is good and the results just aren't. So one thing we know is that Smith is not here to fill a gap. They didn't call him up to play shortstop until Brandon Crawford returns from the injured list. They didn't call him up because they had injuries and had a hole that needed to be filled. They brought him up because they thought he was ready to contribute and play on a near-everyday basis. So they're going to play him that way regardless of whether he hits like he has the last few games or if he starts to struggle. But if he puts together a cold patch of, you know, three or four weeks where he just is pretty much unplayable offensively, they've shown that they'll take a guy down to AAA. They did it with Joey Bart last year. They're about to do it with David VR um, and make the adjustments there. So the ball's in his court, and he's going to have a long leash, but it really depends on how he performs, I think. Okay, Brady, let's turn to the uh, pitching staff here. You know, Cobb, really good. Uh, he's been good all season. You know, who cares about the Mexico City experience? That was just unfair for anybody that was a pitcher. <laughs> so we're forgetting Definitely. about that. Yeah, let's just throw that out. But he, he's a ground ball machine. Uh, how's he get away with that? Quite, he doesn't throw an enormous array of pitches. Uh, so how's that worked out? And you know, the Giants have done a really nice job with a lot of veteran pitchers that they've brought in. I wouldn't necessarily say after the, off the scrap heap, but guys that have had some success elsewhere, and they've seemingly gotten the most out of a lot of these guys. Yeah, that, that's really 
been their forte over the last few years. They've done it with Alex Cobb. They've done it with Anthony DiSclopani. Kevin Gosman, you know, now is a Cy Young candidate. But when he came to the Giants in 2020, he was a long reliever who was just trying to survive in the majors, which makes it that much weirder that Ross Stripling and Sean Mania has been so bad this year. But with Cobb, you know, he's always been a ground ball pitcher, and it's certainly a little bit of an antiquated style with how much the game has shifted towards strikeouts. And, and the Giants certainly are a team that has prioritized strikeouts, but they also really prioritize weak contact. Uh, they're big fans of, of players who force weak contact. You see that with Cobb. You see that with Logan Webb. And really the, the difference for Cobb this year between last, this year and last year is that the Giants had one of the worst defenses in the league last year, um, maybe the worst defense in the league. And Alex Cobb had a bad ERA simply because he was getting weak contact on the ground and the Giants infielders didn't know what to do with it. And he's having a pretty similar year this year to last year, to be honest, and they've just gotten much better defensively. And they're really kind of just playing the odds that if you let someone hit, put the ball in play weakly and on the ground, that you're going to turn that into out more often than not. And even when it's not out, you're going to have, like we saw yesterday, there were two inning-ending double plays. Um, that's what you're going to get with a, with a ground ball pitcher. And there are times where it doesn't work, obviously. There are times where teams bring together four or five hits in a row, which is always a danger. Then suddenly you have a big inning on your hands. But for the most part, they've, they've got him to a point where he can really just get weak contact reliably. And most of the time, your defense is going to do good things with that. All right, so then it's on to the bullpen we go. Uh, between the Diamondbacks and the Giants, uh, getting outs in the bullpen has been an issue. Uh, the Giants entered last night 28th in uh, Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA. They've allowed 28 home runs just the bullpen has. Is there a chance for that to get better? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to. I think that's just such a hilariously large amount of home runs that even if they were the worst team, the worst bullpen in baseball, you expect that to get a little bit better just because it's such an absurd number. But, you know, we went into the season and the bullpen looked, we're in the offseason, the bullpen looked like the weakness of the team. And then they didn't make that many adjustments. They didn't make that many signings. Uh, and it still looks like the weakness of the team. So I think it'll get better. You know, Taylor Rogers was the big acquisition and he is starting to come around after being really bad in the first few weeks of the season. There are other off-season addition they made to the bullpen is Luke Jackson, who's been on the injured list and probably won't be back for another month, month and a half. But obviously that will help when he comes around. Um, and truthfully, some of those bullpen numbers are inflated by the fact that they have piggybacked their bad starters instead of trusting them to be starters. So Tom and I, Ross Stripling, Jacob Junis, those kind of guys are often coming into the game out of the bullpen in maybe the second or third inning instead of starting, and that's really hurt some of those numbers as well. But, yeah, it's going to be a weakness of the team all year long. I think I think it can get a lot better. They should be able to minimize those home runs a little bit, but uh, I think they're, they're going to win in spite of their bullpen, not because of it. You mentioned the defense. I'm a little perplexed about this. They, they were unbelievable on defense in 2021 when they won 107 games. Not quite as good in 2022. You know, better this year. I'm, I'm – it's kind of the same guys, some of the same guys at least. You know, this is a, you know, from one year to the next, I don't know what to expect uh, defensively from this team. Yeah, it's very odd, honestly. And I think 
the biggest explanation that, that I can come up with, and it might be a stretch, but I don't know what else it could be, is this is a coaching staff that has really earned rave reviews for their ability to work with players during the off season to pinpoint the areas where they're struggling and the things that they can do to fix those mistakes. And last year, they didn't have the opportunity to do that because of the lockout, right? They, they weren't allowed contact with the players. So all of those players mm-hmm. were blindly going through the offseason until they showed up at spring training without having any contact from the coaches. And this year, they've been in contact all offseason with their players, and they've been able to tell them what kinds of things they should be working on. And I think that makes a really, a really big change for a lot of these players. And, and some of it just comes down to individuals getting better. You know, I think the, the clearest case for the Giants here is is J.D. Davis, who is truly playing at a near-gold-glove level ability at third base. He was a laughingstock at the position his entire career. When last season ended, he, he was a laughingstock of a defensive third baseman, a guy who you thought, as good of a hitter as he is, you can't play him in the field because it's just not worth it. And he's been one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball this year. And so you, you tip your cap to some of the individuals who are putting in the work, but I think just having a full off season with the coaching staff has, has really helped them out a lot. Okay, last up here, the fan base. You mentioned uh, you know they didn't get judged. They didn't get Correa. They're off to a slow start in 2022. How are the masses dealing with all that? Not well. Not well. This is a this is a fan base that is very skeptical about the current front office. Um, I think you know some of the skepticism is warranted. Some of it is fair. I think some of it is unfair and off base. Um, but you see this with every with every team that makes the shift that the Giants did. Right? They they got rid of an old school front office that had had success for twenty years. One of the most successful managers in in baseball history in Bruce Bochy. And they brought in new school people. They brought in a president of baseball operations in Farhan Zaidi, who's, you know, one of the leaders of the analytics movement. They brought in Gabe Kapler, a manager who is that kind of robotic manager who does things the way the math says you should do them. And fans don't like that. Fans do not agree with that most of the time. And you have to really win a lot to prove to them that that works. And so right now, you know, the fan base is, is pretty pretty upset at the team. They're pretty down on the team. They're, I think, in their eyes, it's a bunch of nerds running the show, and it's not working. Okay, Brady, tell people how they can uh, read your stuff. Yes, you can, can read me at McCoveyChronicles.com, where I cover all my all my Giants work. You can also find me on Twitter, Brady Klopp for NBA, where I cover baseball and basketball. Good stuff, Brady. I appreciate the time. Excellent information. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too. My pleasure. Brady Kopfler of uh, McCovey Chronicles. Back in the day in 1969, I was still a kid in Columbus, Ohio, and our family took a uh, vacation to Arizona for spring training. Little did I know at that point, they didn't tell me that they were going to be moving to Arizona in the next three or four months after that. But, uh, you know, Willie McCovey was the man. And I I don't remember how I got this, but somehow I got a Willie McCovey broken bat during a spring training game. 
And then here's to show you what the air travel was like in those days. They let me take it home. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. Plenty on the Suns after the uh, second consecutive humiliation in the game's uh, season-ending contest. And time pending a little on the Diamondbacks and Giants game from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back by the, uh, not the final segment, next to last segment of the Sports Zone with Bob Kappa, KDUS AM 1060, and KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it's phone call time, 602-260-1060. If you're on hold, we'll get to here shortly. First up, the Suns. Blown out at home for a second consecutive game in an elimination situation. Last night, they trailed just 27-26 before the Nuggets scored the last 17 points of the first quarter. Uh, Chris Paul with the groin injury. DeAndre Ayton with the ribs did not play. Kevin Durant and uh, Kevin and uh, also Devin Booker. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were bad. The Suns trailed 54 to 33, less than 16 minutes into the game. At which point Booker was two for eight. Durant was one for eight. Campaign starting for Chris Paul scored 31 points. That's five more points than he scored in the five preceding games of the series combined. Good for Campaign. But it's bad when the Suns have campaign as their leading scorer in any game, let alone an elimination playoff game. Josh Landale started for Ayton. He scored 13 points, but the Nuggets didn't really care if he scored 100 points. Uh, They decided not to guard Landale at all with their plan clearly, and I think wisely designed, to put more attention on Booker and Durant, and they played the passing lanes much more than they have earlier in the series. The Suns' defense... Predictably, was awful. It's been pretty awful for most of the postseason. Uh, Denver in the first half shot 61.7%. Uh, they made 29 of 47 field goal attempts. They also made 19 of 21 free throws. This is just in the first half, folks. Uh, meanwhile, in addition, the Nuggets didn't turn the ball over for the first 22 minutes of the game, and they finished the first half with two turnovers and 12 assists. Great ratio for them as far as assist to turnover. Incredibly, the the 81-51 halftime score was the second year in a row the Suns trailed by 30 at halftime in an elimination game. Devin Booker was bad and failed to meet the media after the game. Last night, he finished with 12 points on 4 of 13 shooting. Numbers similar to last year's final game embarrassment when he finished with 11 points. Booker blowing off the media after the game, I think, was unprofessional and classless unless he was receiving medical attention or had a family emergency, but there was no evidence that either of those things were happening. Kevin Durant finished with a toothless 23 points and four more turnovers. He had four more turnovers in five of the six games in the series against the Nuggets. But unlike Booker, Durant did meet the media after the loss and respectively answered questions for approximately 10 minutes. 
Monty Williams, for a second consecutive season, took the blame for the embarrassing end-of-the-season loss. Several times he said it was his fault for not having his team prepared to start the game, etc. The Suns, um, they've been really bad at winning the 50-50 balls all season long, something I talked about a lot during the season and talked about yesterday as we previewed the game last night. And uh, they were bad at the 50-50 balls even before Mikhail Bridges uh, was part of that Durant trade. He was a king of the 50-50 balls for the Suns. Pretty much if the Suns got a 50-50 ball when Bridges was here, he's the one that got it. Last night, early in the first quarter, there was a loose ball situation where four Suns and Nikola Jokic were in, in the area to retrieve the ball. Well, Jokic got the ball. None of the four Suns got the ball. And to me, at that point, the Suns were already in significant trouble. This is not a teaching thing. This is a player problem, quite frankly. I think it's a coaching thing, and it's a player problem. The bottom line is to try to avoid uh, – it's amazing that this is just happening two years in a row, needless to say. Um, it, it, you know, the fact that you know the Suns you – know, i, I got to go back. I usually don't try to do this I told you so scenario thing, but I'm going to do it today. Less than 24 hours after the Suns acquired Durant, I didn't like the trade, and I said I didn't like the trade. I got all kinds of crap because I didn't like the trade. I didn't think that they were going to be able to defend and didn't have a bench. Well, the Suns bench resembles a non-playoff level team. The defense has been awful. It was really below average in the first round against the Clippers team that didn't have Kawhi Leonard for the last three games and Paul George for all five games. In the offseason, the Suns need to add all-around players to come off the bench, role players, much like the Nuggets did this past season. Hopefully, new owner Matt Ishbia will not hire Isaiah Thomas to be an organizational decision-maker, something that is, uh, was immediately mentioned when he bought the franchise. And also speculation of that has accelerated in recent days when Thomas has been sitting courtside with Ishbia in the least the last two games of the season. All right, well, much more on the Suns uh, with uh, Doug Haller from The Athletic in the next hour. We'll also have plenty more Suns analysis during the extra point, of course, with Kayla. So stay tuned for that. On to the phone lines, Monroe and Glendale. Thanks for holding. I appreciate it. Happy Friday, Bob. You too. Thanks. Um, I thought I had some random thoughts, but it turns out they're not so random as much as they align with what you just said. But let me just share them anyway. Um, I am a believer that at at the present time, Isaiah Thomas is shadow management. I just, I cannot, I cannot believe that he will have zero say uh, about what's going on going forward. I, I just don't believe it. I think that uh, I I would hope that the new owner, I can't pronounce his name, so I won't try. I hope that the new owner is not one of these guys who says, I'm not beholden to the previous coach and the previous management. I hope he has at least that much sense to say these guys have some they know what they're doing. Uh, they're just some things that they need to address. I, I just I cannot believe Isaiah Hans no will will just be a buddy who comes to the games with his friends. 
Um, well, yeah, it was interesting that Ishbia was asked at his press conference when he, you know, his first little, you know, scrum after he purchased the team, he was asked then if Isaiah Thomas was going to be part of this organization, and you know, he didn't, see, he wouldn't say anything about that then. But uh, as I mentioned, speculation is certainly increasing as time has gone on. And uh, they've been best friends at the last, at least the last couple of home games. I'm not sure if they were prior to that, uh, but they, they, that's you know, when they had the Jokic situation in the previous home game to last night. You know, Isaiah was sitting right next to him. Right, right, yeah. I, it, the only thing I would say that would hold off Isaiah would be success, right? Because you couldn't, you couldn't legitimately say. We're going to have a, a change in the structure of the management with for the team that they made it back to the finals, even if they lost. Uh, but they didn't have that success, and so I think it's um, I think this guy's playing fantasy basketball. To be honest with you, uh, the the other thought this is a this is an honest question. Uh, think about Kevin Durant, and I'm trying to align him w- with. I don't like to talk about legacy, especially when a kid is still playing. I'm a five-years-out kind of person. I'm just wondering if he would be closer to, say, Carl Malone and Charles Barkley or hmm. Bernard King and Dominique Wilkins. I think those are all – I like your analogies there. I, like, I think all four of those players were obviously spectacular in their own ways. They oftentimes didn't step up when most needed. Uh, and, uh, in fact, in all their cases, I, if I'm not you know, just off the top of my head, I don't remember I, you know, too many times where those guys, when it was on, totally on the line, where they were at their, their peak best. You know, Durant actually has been. You know, he's been finals MVP before, etc. Uh, but obviously in this series... Yeah, you know, he shot 42%. He really only had one really good shooting efficiency game. He was 5 for 24 from behind the arc in this series. He had four more turnovers in all but one game in this series. And it just was a disaster. And he didn't play well. And I right. definitely think that he should take some of the criticism. I also completely admire him. For last night, uh, meeting with the media and answering questions for, I'm guessing, like roughly like 10 minutes, uh, unlike Devin Booker, who just bolted the scene, which I thought was right. classless and unprofessional. Right. No, I, I agree with that. That's part of the deal. You don't just get to, to, to gloat when you do well and then bail when things don't go your way. That's right, and, and you should you shouldn't expect praise when you do well. You know, high praise when you do well, and when things are at the lowest, you leave the premises. And right, right. unless there's some kind of injury, which we don't think, you know, he was getting treatment after the game, and uh, unless there's a family emergency, and I don't think we've heard anything about that. Maybe that occurred. Now the Suns are meeting the media this morning uh, with you know, kind of like the you. It's called they used to call this the trash bag. Uh, you know, media thing during the NFL season, I know, because you know they just basically clean up their lock, clean out their lockers, and go home or whatever they do. Uh, so hopefully Booker will at least address the media today. But I was uh, very disappointed uh, in uh, the fact that he didn't meet the media last night. Right, right, and and he's 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 uh, demanding respect. 
respect, right? That would be right. a good and way to get some you respect. Right, and you owe it to the—I'm sorry, yeah, I apologize, but I'm not—you you owe it to the fan base to explain yourself at that right, point. Right, right. Last thing here, I, I, I mean this in the, in the spirit of uh, witty humor. They can't blame Aiden for this one. <laughs> that's true. Not. I actually, I actually text that to a friend of mine at halftime. <laughs> so that's exactly what I text. All right, Bob. Thanks a lot. You guys have a good weekend. Okay, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. We will definitely have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, this topic's not going to go away. It's like much of the end of last season. The difference for me is I was not on medical leave like I was at the end of last season. So knock on countertop here. Hopefully I'm going to be okay medically for a while here. So next segment, we will wrap up today's sports up. I'm planning on uh, having a uh, energetic final segment of today's sports up. Then uh, we'll have much more on the Suns, including a conversation with Doug Howard. That'll be in the extra point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon to stay tuned for that. So plenty more Suns. Next segment, though, is the National Roundup. We're going to get a little bit about the uh, Jason Tatum you know, bailout festival last night and uh, time pending a little baseball from last night, too. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, welcome back. Final seven in today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. And the Celtics, for a second consecutive season, won a game six on the road uh, when trailing down, when trailing three games to two. Jason Tatum, after missing 14 of his first 15 shots, even though I will say did a lot of other really good things before. He uh, you know, made shots down the stretch, but down the stretch he narrowed, nailed a trio of three-pointers to really ignite a 14-1 run, and the Sixers were bad. In fact, the Sixers had 13 points in the fourth quarter. The Sixers' shooting in the fourth quarter was atrocious. They missed 15 of 20 shots, so the Sixers lose. They had a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They still do if they win on Sunday at Boston, but they haven't been to the Eastern Conference Finals since 2001, and that's the year that Allen Iverson actually led them to the Finals. The Sixers led 83-81 with 525 remaining before Tatum went off, basically. All right, so remaining games in the postseason. Tonight, you have the doubleheader. The Knicks are at Miami, and Miami a six-point favorite in that game. Just going to go consensus numbers here. Total in the game at 208. Then the Lakers hosting Golden State. The Lakers a three-point favorite. Total in that game is sitting at uh, 221. Then on Sunday, Philadelphia is at Boston. Uh, Boston open a seven-point favorite. There's some seven-and-a-halfs out there, mainly sevens. uh, Total sitting at 220 in that game. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis is expected to play tonight against the Warriors. He's not in the concussion protocol, as uh, the Lakers pointed out yesterday. However, Andrew Wiggins may not be available, and this is a legitimate injury, appears, a left coastal cartilage fracture, which he suffered down the stretch of the game on Wednesday night. One other NBA thing that I absolutely positively have to get into right now 
Uh, there's been, you know, the, basically, Nikola Jokic was left off of a most valuable player ballot. And like I've mentioned many times, nobody cares less about you know, individual awards and team sports than me, especially during the regular season. Mark Jackson is actually the one that left him off his MVP ballot. This is another another example of why Mark Jackson is a – I don't know why he's a high-profile network broadcaster, but you know, I try to learn and steal from others as much as humanly possible. I oftentimes give credit to whom I steal from. But seldom, if ever, do I even take a note about anything Jackson has ever said during his broadcasting career. All right, a couple other quick things here. Uh, baseball tonight, uh, the Diamondbacks hosting the Giants in Game 2 of the four-game series. And tonight it's Ryan Nelson against John Brebbio, who's basically an opener for the Giants uh, and the, the Giants are actually favored in this game tonight. That's how little the odds maker actually thinks of the, think of the, Dodge, uh, think of the Diamondbacks at this point. It's roughly a pick em, but, you know, six to, you know, six, five, yeah, one, minus 120, let's go with that. It's kind of a consensus number at this point. Also, the Dodgers and the uh, Padres begin their second consecutive series, uh, consecutive weekends. And Dustin May goes against Blake Snell tonight at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers in Dustin May, a 140 favorite in this game. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. Next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a Suns discussion with Doug Haller from The Athletic and more phone call time. 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.